I think we can all agree that learning is more fun when you do it with friends, right? So if one of your summer goals is to learn more about the science of reading and how to incorporate it into your classroom, then let me invite you to join our free summer book study. During the month of June, we are gonna be hosting a free book study for teachers just like you, where we are gonna work our way through the book, Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into Your Upper Elementary Classroom. And we'd love to have you join us. We're gonna read one chapter a week and inside our book study Facebook group, you're gonna get to participate in things like our weekly Facebook Live, discussion posts, you're gonna get some really awesome freebies and the chance to win some stellar prizes. All of this is going to help you align your instruction with the science of reading next year. It's gonna be fun. And even if you don't think you'll have time to read every single chapter, still consider joining. You're gonna get a lot out of the group even if you don't have time to read the entire text. So I hope to see you this summer where we can all learn alongside each other. You can sign up at stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. And I'll see you inside our group. You are listening to episode number 46 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Okay, here we are, the start of another month. How is it October? Seriously, it's just this year needs to like slow down and stop because I feel like it is going by way too quickly. But I also hope that you are at a point in your instruction this year, whether you started school in September, August, or July, that you are starting to find your groove, you're in your rhythm. I always feel like October was one of those months because it's like, okay, now the real learning is beginning. Like we know each other, we have good relationships, we've got this good community, and now we can really dig in deep, which is why during the month of October, I am going to try to focus my podcast episodes on digging deep into specific comprehension skills. And honestly, I could probably make an entire podcast that is dedicated to just talking about reading comprehension skills because there's so many of them. (laughs) And as teachers, we don't always know the most effective way to teach key comprehension skills. I know when I was in the classroom, I didn't. I learned, but I didn't know like to start with. And even now, I often get emails or direct messages or questions in our Facebook group. And teachers want to know, how do you teach students to identify the theme? Or what are some strategies to help students find the main idea? Or what are the best strategies to help students analyze and, you know, figure out character traits? And I asked myself a lot of those same questions. I don't know how often you have done this, but I probably every week would go to Google or Pinterest and search some of those same questions. How do I teach theme? How do I teach students to summarize fiction? (laughs) How do I get my kids to determine the author's purpose? And since most of what we teach our students really connects back to these key comprehension skills, I thought it would be fun to put together some episodes that really focus on specifically how to teach certain comprehension skills because. This is what you guys are doing every single day. And 
Of course, my goal is to make these podcast episodes helpful for you. And so I hope you enjoy them. Like I said, the month of October, comprehension skills is kind of going to kind of be our focus. So like I said, I could have an entire podcast that is dedicated to just talking about this. But of course, there are other things that I like to talk about on our podcast, like mini lessons and book talks and book clubs and all of those wonderful reading things. But I also want to make sure that the content I am delivering to you guys each and every single week is helpful and is something that is, you know, just helping you grow as a teacher. So if you find these episodes on specific comprehension skills to be helpful, definitely let me know and I will do more of them. And of course, on the flip side, if you're like, eh, they were okay, but not my favorite, let me know that as well. Because like I said, I want this podcast to be helpful for you. I record these episodes for you guys. This week, what we're going to do is we're going to talk all about making inferences, which I'm super excited about. And then the next three weeks, we're going to cover identifying theme, finding the main idea of nonfiction texts, and then talking about teaching nonfiction text structure. And I chose these four comprehension skills specifically for a couple reasons. One, I get asked questions about these skills often. They were challenging for me to teach. I think they're also challenging for general or teachers to teach in general because they all kind of require some of those higher level thinking skills, like making inferences, which is why that's what we're starting with. And also these skills are really essential to upper elementary comprehension. So that's why I wanted to talk about them. But like I said, if you find them helpful, I would love to talk about really any any comprehension skill if it is going to be helpful for you. So before I jump into specifically talking about making making inferences, let me just acknowledge that teaching reading comprehension can be really, really hard. It can be really challenging as a teacher. And I I remember when I was a, a classroom teacher, I loved teaching reading and I got my master's in curriculum instruction with an emphasis in literacy. But I found that I often enjoyed teaching math so much more because it was concrete. I knew for sure if my students were understanding what it is I was teaching, I could see in their work, whether it was multiplication or division or whatever it is, I could see the error in their thinking by, you know, the work that they produced. But with reading comprehension, it is way more abstract. It can be really vague. (laughs) um, And it's not really something that we can clearly see or monitor. And I'm a relatively, I feel like, black and white person. My husband, who's an engineer, might <laughs> might disagree with me, but I just remember oftentimes being frustrated with comprehension because it's like, okay, I'm teaching this, but I don't know for sure if you are understanding it. And if you are only understanding a part of it, I don't know where the breakdown is because it is all happening in our students' heads. And so I just want to make sure you guys understand that your job as a reading teacher is really difficult. You have a hard job to do, but you are amazing. You are incredible. And you have the the tools and strategies and the desire to be amazing. And so even though that teaching comprehension is challenging, you're going to be great at it. I just, I know you are because you listen to this podcast, you do the research, you ask the questions, but I want to take the time, like I said, just to acknowledge that it is challenging. And I think, again, part of the reason why it is so hard is that we rely on our students to give us the feedback, right? We need them to share their thoughts about what they are reading in order for us to gauge if our instruction is effective, which means that really in order for us to get an accurate pulse on their comprehension, our students have to be able to also be proficient in written communication or oral communication, which isn't always the case. So it's like, great. I don't know if my students are struggling with comprehension or if it's their written skills or if they just can't clearly communicate what they're thinking. So again, so many different challenges. But when we as teachers have a toolbox that is filled with these 
these strategies and these tools, and we have just a ton of different things that we can try, we know that if we teach our students something, if we give them a strategy, if we give them a tool and it doesn't work, that we don't have to give up, that we don't have to just say, well, I tried because we have other options. You guys have heard me say this before, that there is always more than one way to teach reading. There's always more than one way to teach certain reading comprehension skills. And if we try something that doesn't work, then we can go to our toolbox, pull out something else that will help our students on their road to mastering these comprehension skills. And Ultimately, just wanting to fill your toolbox with, you know, strategies and ideas and instructional tools is why I do pretty much everything I do in my business. You know, it's why I created my Stellar Teacher Reading Membership. It's why I create resources. It's why I have this podcast is because I want to give you guys as many tools, as many strategies that are going to help you teach reading. And I want teaching reading to feel easy for you. I want it to be fun and I want you to feel confident in it. So, I hope that these episodes help you fill up your teacher toolbox so that way you don't necessarily feel the weight or the complexity that often comes with teaching comprehension because it is a really challenging job. But like I said, you're amazing. You're a rock star. You're going to be great at it. So let's go ahead and jump right into today's comprehension skill focus, which is all about teaching students how to make inferences. I'm curious, how do you feel about teaching students how to make inferences? I think when I first started teaching, making inferences, I was like, oh, this is easy. It's the formula, text clues plus background knowledges equals an inference. Seems pretty straightforward. But then when I moved to upper elementary, I realized that it was a skill that we talked about all of the time. There was so much pressure on inferential thinking. And I taught fourth grade in the state of Texas. And I know that they've since (laughs) redone their, their TEKS, their state standards, But we had figure 19D and figure 19E and figure 19FG, all of those figure 19s, which was all about inferential thinking. And every PLC meeting and every team planning and every district training was focused on this idea of inferential thinking. How are you supporting students with their inferential thinking? And I realized that, you know what, teaching our students how to make inferences might not be as straightforward as that very basic formula. And it also might be something that I want to put some more thought and more time into making sure that I am effective at doing it. So hopefully some of what I share today is helpful for you. But let's go ahead and just kind of start off with a basic definition of what does it mean to make an inference. And when readers are making inferences, they are using their personal background knowledge to analyze text clues in order to really think critically about the text. And the goal is for our students to go beyond the literal text and to understand whether it is the characters or the theme or the problem in the story at a much deeper level. And so really what we are asking students to do is when they're making an inference, we want them to try to think about what the author wants us to know, but isn't directly telling us. And so much of our reading relies on inferential thinking because the author is limited with the text they use and the words or the words and the illustrations or the text features in the text. And so much of our comprehension does require us as readers to sort of fill in the gaps. And I've sort of discovered kind of throughout the years that there are a few reasons why making inferences can be really difficult or why it can feel really difficult. Now, first of all, it involves background knowledge, which is a variable that you cannot control. You have no idea the background knowledge that your students do have that they bring to any reading experience. And knowing that making an inference requires so much of our background knowledge or this idea of even common sense or world understanding, 
we don't know what our students know. And every student has a different set of background knowledge that they they bring to it, which means then that every student is going to make a different type of inference when they are reading, which again, this whole variable that makes it really kind of difficult to, to teach them, you know, this comprehension skill. So that can definitely be a challenge. And I also think that in order for students to be successful with making inferences, they really have to have a plethora of other comprehension skills. And I don't think I realized how connected making inferences is to every other comprehension skill. But if you think about it, in order for students to be successful at making inferences, they also have to be able to determine importance. They need to know what text clues are important, what background knowledge is important, what is even important just in the storyline. They need to have a strong understanding of author's purpose, which means they need to be able to, first of all, infer what the author's purpose is and, you know, what the deeper meaning is. If a lot of it is, is trying to read between the lines and figure out what the author wants us to know without telling us. Students need to be able to understand why the author wrote the the story in the way that they did in the first place. In order for students to make inferences, they have to be good at making connections, making predictions, asking questions, and so many other things, you know, which means then that if our students struggle with any of these other basic comprehension skills, it's going to be difficult for them to make inferences. So that is definitely another challenge with making inferences. And then I think also, too, that it it requires some higher level thinking. And oftentimes we see this formula, like I mentioned, that making inferences is Text clues plus background knowledge equals an inference. And while that is a good starting point, there is a lot more higher level thinking that goes into it. You know, students not only have to synthesize and inference by combining their own personal background knowledge and text clues, but they really have to evaluate whether they have even identified the right text clues and are, you know, bringing the right type of background knowledge to the, you know, to the text in order to like really figure out what is it that the author thinks is important and wants me to understand as important as a reader. So it's a lot more complex than I often think that we we make it. But the good news is, is that there are a ton of different ways that you can teach making inferences. There are a lot of different things that you can do to help your students feel much more confident just with this this idea of inferential thinking and also things that you can do on a daily basis to help just like bolster and reinforce their natural inferential thinking skills. So it kind of just just become it becomes something that they do without you having to remind them. So here are a few tips that you can use and incorporate into your classroom to help your students improve their ability to make inferences. And the first one is using pictures. I love using pictures to teach a lot of comprehension skills. I have a picture of the day resource that is in both my reading membership site and on my Teachers Pay Teacher store. And while this idea of making inferences is embedded into it, it can pictures can help your students. It can help them master any reading comprehension skill. But it is especially, pictures are especially great for teaching students how to make inferences because if you think about it, a lot of what goes on when we look at a picture is inferential thinking. When a student is looking at a picture, they have to notice very specific details. You know, they have to really pay attention to what do they see? What do they observe? You have to ask questions about what is happening in the photo when the photo was taken. You know, they have to think about what happened in the photo right before it was taken. They have to think about what is happening right after. You know, what moment in time did the photograph capture? you know, making connections to what they see. Have they ever been in a similar location? Have they ever observed something similar? You know, they have to like think about why did the photographer take the picture in the first place? What was the purpose of this photo? And there's so much thinking that goes into it. 
as somebody who's observing a photo, when you are given a single snapshot, especially if it's a photo that you've never seen before, you have to do so much thinking to create a narrative about what was happening in the photo, which is basically inferential thinking. And we want our students to do the exact same thing when they are reading a text. And so if you start by teaching inferences using photos, you're going to help your students develop some of those same critical thinking skills, those inferential thinking skills that they can apply to their reading. So a couple of things that you could do to incorporate more pictures is you could do a picture of the day routine. And this could be as simple as you showing, you know, like I said, there's a resource that exists for this, but you can do this even if you don't have the resource. You can either have your students bring in photos or you could even, you know, find any photos off of the internet or think about what you're teaching in science and social studies. Post a picture up for your students to see and then simply have a discussion about it where you go through some of those questions that I just mentioned. Okay, why did the photograph, the photographer take this picture? What is happening right before? What is happening right after? You know, what details do you notice? What questions do you have? And just have a conversation about it. And it just helps students sort of pay attention to the thinking that is happening. Other things that you could do is you could use wordless picture books. I love reading wordless picture books because there is a story that the author is trying to tell, but there are no words. So students really have to do a lot of the the heavy lifting in order to figure out, okay, what is the story that the author is trying to communicate here? Bill Thompson and David Wisner have a lot of good wordless picture books. So if you have never used a wordless picture book to teach making inferences, you should definitely check out both of those authors, grab a couple of them. And again, it's just a wordless picture book, you read the story, but you're having to read the pictures and ask your students, okay, what do you think is happening on this page? You know, why do you think this is happening? What makes you think that? What do you think is going to happen next? And then the other thing you could do is even just study the illustrations in the text. You know, a lot of times when we're doing a picture walk, which is very common in lower elementary, I wouldn't necessarily say when you're in upper elementary to do a picture walk every time you sit down to read, but there can be a lot of benefit in studying the illustrations in a text. And for example, a couple stories that sort of come to mind is in the story Invisible Boy by Trudy, oh, now the name is going to escape me, Trudy Ladwig, I think, or Trudy Ludwig. Brian, the character in the very beginning, he is shown as uh, black and white, and the rest of the story is in color. And he's shown in black and white. But as the story goes on, it's about this boy who he feels left out. He feels invisible. He doesn't, you know, feel like he fits in with his class. And of course, throughout the story, he makes a friend and he finds his voice and he gets more connected. But as the story goes on, the illustrator starts to add more color to Brian's character in the story. And so even just paying attention to that, how illustrators will include certain details and having conversations about, okay, what do we notice is changing in the illustrations? Why do we think the illustrator did that? Students can learn so much by studying the illustrations. So those are a couple of different ways that you can incorporate pictures. And the reason why I say start with pictures, there's a couple of reasons and a couple of benefits. First of all, I think the biggest benefit of using pictures to teach inferential thinking is that it is going to help boost students' confidence. I think so often that our struggling readers, you know, they might have the comprehension skills, but when they are having to worry about whether or not they can actually read and understand the text because they might have an accuracy or fluency issue, they are not going to have the same confidence in their ability to comprehend what they're reading. But if you can show them that they have these comprehension skills, that they are strong critical thinkers, 
you know, that when you're teaching these through pictures, they start to realize that they can focus on just the thinking and the comprehension of the picture, and they can work on building up their inferential thinking skills. And then they start to feel a little more confident that it's like, hey, I actually, I know how to read pictures and I can transfer some of these skills to the text that I'm reading. And so you can encourage them with that transfer. We start building these skills, you know, through pictures, and then we transfer it to the text that we can read and, you know, slowly build it over time. So that is one of the reasons why I love using pictures. Tip number one, use pictures to help teach inferential thinking. Okay, tip number two is model and practice making inferences using familiar texts. And the whole point of making inferences is for students to be able to go beyond the literal text and think much deeper about the text that they are reading. And it really has a lot more to do with the why and the how behind the text. You know, we make inferences so we can figure out why did the author include this particular challenge? Why did the character act in such a way? How does the character feel about the setting? How is the character changing? All of those questions would require inferential thinking. And answering all of those questions are going to help us understand the text and the story on a much deeper level. And one of the things that I have found to be helpful is that when you are teaching students to make inferences, we always want to model what we're teaching, whether it is a picture book, a chapter book, even a reading passage, we want to show students what this thinking looks like using an actual text so they can get an idea of, you know, how to apply it when they're reading independently. That's the whole goal. And, you know, for students who maybe struggle to make inferences, I have found that it can be really helpful to teach making inferences, which can be somewhat abstract, if you are focusing on a text that they are already familiar with, and it is something that they've already discussed in depth which maybe seems counterintuitive because it's like, wait a minute, the whole goal of you know making inferences is to think deeper about the text and to sort of like anticipate what the author wants us to know. And ultimately, we do want our students to make inferences about new texts and about cold reads or things that they haven't read. But when you're teaching it and you're practicing it, if your student has an understanding of what is happening in the text, you can then sort of go back and say, okay, We know this to be true. The reason why we know this is true is because if we go back to this example and we think about what we know, you can basically show them the inferences that they made that help them understand the text. It's kind of like this idea of working working backwards. So I always think, and let me kind of give you an example of what I mean by this, but Each Kindness by Jacqueline Woodson is such a good example of teaching or of just how much inferential thinking is required to understand a text because the author leaves out a lot. I shouldn't say she leaves out. She leaves a lot of room for students to make inferences, right? She doesn't tell us a lot about what Chloe is specifically thinking, like the internal thoughts that run through Chloe's mind. She doesn't really tell us a lot about how Chloe is feeling. She doesn't really even describe explicitly Chloe's personality traits. And even the changes, we know that Chloe changes, you know, from the beginning to end, but we we don't really know the exact change or the lesson that she learns. And so this story is a really great opportunity for you to model and show your students, you know, how they can make inferences or how they made inferences to to understand the story. So once you've read it and your students know the whole story, they know how it ends, you know, they know Chloe, they they can sort of like even pinpoint and name this internal struggle that she's gone through. You can go back and talk about, okay, we didn't know how she was feeling, but what we did do is we were able to, you know, study the picture. We were able to think about a personal experience that we've had. We were able to remember, you know, something that we've observed in the real world. And we're able to use that information plus these few clues that the author gives us to let us know that she is feeling, you know, this way at the beginning of the text or at the end. 
So just being able to use a very familiar text to highlight the inferences that students make or that you want them to be making. And then the third tip, I was thinking this was my last tip, but I actually have two more after this or four tips total. So my third tip is not to teach making inferences in isolation. And I know this one might feel a little bit challenging because I know as teachers, we often like to have a focus skill for each week. And I even taught this way when I was in the classroom. So maybe for one week, you are focusing on characterization and you are analyzing characters. And then maybe another week, you are looking at plot structures. So you're looking at problem solution. And maybe you have a week to focus on main idea and a week to focus on text features. And while this instructional approach will work for some comprehension skills, it isn't always effective for others. And the one thing I want you to think about is how when we are teaching our students to make inferences, it is one of those skills that probably should come up with every other reading skill that you are teaching. And like I previously mentioned, that making inferences is connected to so many other comprehension skills, which means we can't teach it in isolation. You know, we can't just say, all right, I spent a week in October talking about making inferences. We discussed it a little bit. We talked about some strategies, you know, gave my students the formula. And then we're not going to talk about it again until March when we start to spiral through our reading skills. So instead of trying to just teach making inferences in a single week or in isolation, I want you to try to approach it from this way of, you know, how teaching inferences should be connected to pretty much every other reading skill you teach because your students are constantly making inferences as they're reading. It comes up all the time. You know, when we're thinking about characters, we need to make inferences in order to identify the character's traits, the character's feelings, the character's motivations. You know, when we're talking about plot, we need to be able to make inferences about why characters are trying to solve problems in certain way. You know, we need to think about why the author included certain events. We even need to think about the resolution, you know, the significance of that. Author's purpose is all about making inferences because rarely in a text will an author state what their purpose is. And so students have to use inferential thinking to figure out author's purpose. Um, the theme, you know, that's another one. You know, a lot of these skills that the theme is rarely explicitly stated, which means in order for your students to figure out the theme, they have to make inferences. They have to use their their personal background knowledge. They have to use the text clues. They have to figure it out, you know, making connections, whatever it is, making inferences comes up. So rather than teaching making inferences in isolation, rather than spending just a week or whatever your sort of time frame is, think about this question, okay, and ask yourself, What type of inferential thinking do my students need to do in order to fill in the blank? So what type of inferential thinking do my students need in order to describe a character in depth? What type of inferential thinking do my students need in order to understand author's purpose? What type of inferential thinking do my students need to do in order to identify the theme? And when you start to think about how making inferences connects to every other reading skill, you're going to be just much more I don't know, much more effective at, at bringing it up and modeling it and showing students how it connects to other, you know, other reading skills. I think there is so much power when we show students how what we do when we're reading is is connected. You know, we can't think about characters without thinking about plot, without thinking about the theme. You know, we can't think about the main idea without thinking about the topic or the details or the author's purpose or the text structure. Everything connects together and making inferences is really one of those tools that you can use to help show students the connection between all of the reading skills you're teaching them. So that is tip number three. And then tip number four is to provide support and tools that is going to focus your students thinking on making inferences. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, one of the reasons why comprehension can be so challenging to teach 
is because we don't always know exactly what is going on in our own brain. Uh, we can't always pinpoint it. You know, we know that we are reading and we know that as adults and mature readers, that we are understanding what we're reading, but we can't always, we're not always aware of the exact sentences we're paying attention to or the questions we're asking or the text teachers we're paying attention to. You know, that stuff just happens automatically. And we want that automatic thinking to happen for our students as well. And so a couple of the things that we can do is to provide them with tools and resources that are basically going to force them to think about the things that will, you know, make just comprehension a little bit more automatic for them. And you can do this in a variety of ways. And I've kind of talked about this in some of my other, you know, podcast episodes, but ultimately this is where the idea of strategy instruction comes in. When our students are sitting down to read independently, if you are wanting them to focus on making inferences, they know the exact parts of the text that they are going to focus on, or they know the exact question they're going to ask, or they know the exact process to take that is going to help focus their thinking on inferential thinking. And when you provide support in this way, whether it's through a process or a strategy or a question, you are helping your students to know what to focus on. And so, you know, whether you give them a, you know, an anchor chart or a question stem or a graphic organizer to start with, eventually over time, that is just going to become more automatic. So a couple examples of kind of what I mean by these supports and tools is if you're wanting your students to make inferences about character traits, then you could teach them the strategy. And one of my favorite strategies for this is I call it think fast. And they're going to focus on a character's feelings, a character's actions, a character's speech, and a character's thoughts. And if they look for text clues related to those things and they think about their own you know, personal experience with those, they're going to be able to make an inference about the character's traits. Maybe you want your students to make an inference about the theme. And so you're going to tell them rather than just saying infer the theme, you know, or figure out what the theme is, you're going to tell them, okay, as you're reading today, I want you to pay attention to how the character changes because when a character changes, that can be a text clue that will help us infer what the theme is. You're, you're focusing their attention on something specific in the text, you know, or if you're wanting your students to make an inference about the author's purpose, you might give them the question. And one of my favorite questions to ask students about author's purpose is, what does the author really want me to get from this reading experience? Because so often when we're talking about author's purpose, we stop with the author's purpose is to persuade, the author's purpose is to inform. But if you have your students ask, what does the author really want me to get out of this? Then you're sort of naturally pushing into that inferential thinking anyways, because we're having our students then think beyond that one word author's purpose of, you know, persuade, inform, describe, and really paying attention to, okay, what's the lesson the author is trying to teach me here? What's the action the author wants me to take? What details do I need to zoom in on? So with all of these examples, rather than telling students, okay, today I want you to practice making inferences, you are showing them and providing the support or the tools that are going to naturally help them make inferences. So if the, you know, if they struggle with making inferences or if it seems sort of vague or foreign, you're saying, okay, you're going to think fast and that's going to help you figure out character traits. Okay. You're going to pay attention to how the character changes. That's going to help you infer about the theme. Okay. You're going to ask this question about author's purpose and it's really going to help you figure out, you know, not just the author's purpose in a one word, but understanding the lesson or, you know, the action that the author wants you to take. So when we tell our students what to focus on, you are making it really easy for them to find the evidence that is going to help them make strong inferences while they are reading. 
So let's go ahead and recap. So four things that you can do to help teach making inferences. Um, One, use pictures to introduce and practice making inferences. This is something you can do all year long. Model using familiar texts, especially if you want to highlight the connections and the text evidence you want your students to be using. Don't teach making inferences in isolation. It is one of those things that we should be talking about all of the time with all comprehension skills and then provide support and tools that are going to help focus your students' thinking. Hopefully this episode has given you a few more tools that you can add to your teacher toolbox when it comes to teaching your students how to make inferences. And I hope you'll tune in next week where we are going to be talking about some of my favorite strategies to teach students how to identify the main idea of nonfiction text. So even if you've already taught nonfiction for the year, you can use these strategies the next time you're coming around and getting ready to spiral. So hopefully you'll tune in next week. And of course, if you have another comprehension skill that you'd love me to dig into or really any reading topic for that matter, don't hesitate to reach out to me. I absolutely love hearing from you guys and connecting with you. You can always find me on Instagram at The Stellar Teacher Company. And I hope to see you here next week. Have a wonderful week, my friends. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at stellarteacher.com. I'll see you back here next week. 